Gift Biz Unwrapped, episode 242. When he saw this product and he heard my vision, he was like, you have to do this. Attention gifters, bakers, crafters, and makers. Pursuing your dream can be fun. Whether you have an established business or are looking to start one now, you are in the right place. This is Gift Biz Unwrapped, helping you turn your skill into a flourishing business. Join us for an episode packed full of invaluable guidance, resources, and the support you need to grow your gift biz. Here is your host, gift biz gal, Sue Monheit. Hi there, it's Sue, and I'm so glad you're joining me here today. Before I tell you about this show, I want to jump into a past guest spotlight. So this is where we catch up with someone we've talked to before and see what's happening with them now. Today's update is from Cara of Cara's Vineyard Weddings. She was one of my early guests, so somewhere around three years ago or so, and a lot has happened since then. At that time, Cara was selling upscale place card holders made out of wine corks primarily for weddings. Today, Cara focuses on the same audience with a popular podcast called Wedding Planning Podcast and has helped tens of thousands of engaged couples streamline and simplify their wedding plans with straightforward, down-to-earth wedding advice. She also has two new product lines, Just Married Holiday Ornaments, which allows her to remarket to married couples who became clients while planning their weddings. How smart is that? and a line of DIY products to help budget-savvy couples design their own wedding decor. Congratulations, Cara, on your tremendous growth. This is a great example of how you can start and build a business around a single product. Check out episode 74 of Gift Biz Unwrapped if you'd like to hear more about how Cara got her start and the details behind her journey. Moving on to our show today, I want to start off with a question for you. Throughout your life, have you always been a creator of ideas and taken action on some of those ideas? Maybe you had lemonade stands as a child or created plays and had your parents or anyone who'd watch take in the story as you acted out the scenes. Perhaps all these years, in the back of your mind, you've been rolling around the idea of starting a company around some sort of product, and you're on the lookout for just the right thing. If so, then you'll be able to relate perfectly with our guest. Not only has she experienced all these things in one version or another, she's also interested in giving back to empower women in some way. All this has become reality with the company story you're about to hear. She's proof that all that glitters can turn into gold. Today, it is my pleasure to introduce you to Pamela Gort, the creator of Blingzy. Blingzy is the clever way to store or bring your bling wherever you go. It's a unique jewelry carrier solution that is made of a patented combination of materials. A gorgeous fabric on the outside and a special grippy liner on the inside. It all started just five years ago when Pamela lost her job. She decided to make a huge career shift toward giving back in a more personal way. 
So she founded Simply Sewn, a for-purpose, socially conscious business. Its purpose is to provide flexible sewing income opportunities for women in need. The tagline, Sewing Seeds of Kindness, reinforces the ripple effect of women helping women. She wanted to launch her jewelry carrier invention, Blingzy, but needed the right someone to sew it. Fortuitously, she met Sister Jean and Sister Sheila from Hope House at a garage sale where they were selling a sewn tote bag. It was a magical meeting, and they became Pamela's first partner. They run a safe house for trafficked women, and four of the women sew blingsy. I am sure you're like me, anxious to hear more about all of the creation of blingsy. Pamela, welcome to the Gift Biz Unwrapped podcast. Thank you so much, Sue. I am extremely excited to be here to talk about what's going on in my life. But most important, I wanted to thank you for the beautiful advice and guidance that you've provided me. I love your podcast. And I think any woman who is starting a business as a maker or someone who's already doing it and wants to get a little bit bigger could value everything that you offer on that podcast. I'm so excited. That's so sweet, Pamela. Thank you so much for that. I truly mean it. It's been a wonderful addition to my podcast list. Oh, love that so much. Thank you again. So there is so much to you. I'm so excited to dive into your story. But before we do, share with us a little bit more about you as you would describe yourself through a motivational candle. So if you would, give us a color and a quote that would be a candle that speaks all about you, Pamela. I would have to say that my candle would be a rainbow. And that is because I love the layers of colors, the differences, the depths. I am, if you would say, uh, very distractible. So I love lots of things. So I'm always bouncing around like a ping pong ball, which can be a detriment when you're a business owner. And I would say that that candle represents all the different layers of what I have in my life. But mostly, if you look at my Blingsy business, I started off with five solid colors. And now I'm in every color of the rainbow and they're prints galore. So there is a color for everyone there. Beautiful. And what about a quote? Oh, my quote. So important. Ladies and gentlemen makers, start with why. If you don't start your engine with why, you will not get anywhere. So it's start with why and the rest will follow. And literally it has for me. Yeah, you know, I think that whole why question brings the depth to what your mission is, right? The purpose and the importance of why you're spending the time, money, commitment, heartbreak sometimes with the business because things get frustrating. And if you don't have that deeper level of understanding that you've committed to yourself that you consciously recognize, you're not going to be able to get through some of those harder times. It's so true. And with my mission to help these women specifically in human trafficking, wow, I've learned so much. And I wouldn't have come out with this product, I don't think, if I didn't have that extra thing going on with them. Well, let's talk about how this all came together then. Can you take it from the top? Where were you in your corporate life? What did you leave to come to create Blingsy? I worked in the pharmaceutical and biotech industry, and I traveled all over the U.S. I was literally zigzagging across the country. So you could say I was on planes, jets, airplanes, trains, rental cars. I lived my life traveling. That meant a carry bag because I never checked anything, a briefcase, computer bag, and anything that I needed to keep myself comfortable. 
But that was a constant travel. I left either Monday and came back Thursday or Friday or left Tuesday, came back Saturday. It was a crazy life. Oh, man. I lived that life, too, in my corporate time, so I completely get it. Is this then where you identified the need for something to carry your jewelry while you travel? I would say that's where I identified the need, but a product was always in the back of my mind. I started my life as a little entrepreneur. So probably around age seven, I had a big bank account. My parents used to borrow money from me. I sold all the vegetables out of our own garden, which is crazy. (laughs) When I was 14, I started mowing lawns on a sit-down lawnmower in a bikini. (laughs) That's how I got my customers. (laughs) And when I was 10, I started a library in my neighborhood. Everyone looks at me like, that's crazy. So my dad built me this, I called it a fort. It was a 14 by 14, like a house in the backyard. And one summer, because I love to read, I said, I wish there was a library close because my mom didn't drive. So we had to hang out or get rides. And I went around the neighborhood with a wagon and I said, do you have some books you could lend me? I'm starting a library for the kids in the summer. And it was the coolest thing. So I would have kids come and check out books and it was just really fun and I loved doing it. Now I didn't make any money on that. Maybe I sold them the library card. I'm not really sure, but I always had this in me. And I lived in Canada for a while and the company I worked for got taken over. And so I was coming back to the States And I'd always, in the back of my mind, had the thought for a product that could help other people to make it and get them off the street or out of bad lives. And it was sort of a gift box that would be painted in an art therapy class. So they would be helped, they would get money for it, and it would be a cool creative thing. But the practicality of it, what I wanted to make it out of and everything, it didn't make sense. It was going to be too costly. So I was still there was something percolating in the back of my mind. There had to be something that could be easily made by people in need and that would serve a huge need out there. And one day I was deciding to buy some more jewelry. My friends were giving me jewelry. I was buying it and loving it. Prior to that, I just wore one necklace that my mom had given me across and I started wearing all this jewelry. So I'm like, I need to put it in something. So I bought a jewelry roll up And it tangled all my jewelry. And I'm like, there has to be something better. So I bought another one and another one. The last one I bought was a $90 beautiful red leather jewelry thing. And it frustrated me to no end. So here I am with six or seven jewelry things and none of them are working. And I'm saying there's got to be a better way. And one day the idea came to me and it was this special material that is now the liner for Blingsy. And I knew this was the answer. And this is the thing, Sue. I wasn't just building another mousetrap because every jewelry carrier out there was very similar. They might have looked a little different, but it was a similar concept. They had hooks, snaps, zippered pockets, and you'd roll them up or fold them up. But nothing could grip the jewelry and keep it in place. So I knew I was on to building a much better mousetrap, literally outside the box. Have you ever heard Sally Hogshead quote that is, different is better than better? Have you heard Mm. that before? Well, it's the pharmaceutical industry's most precious thing to say. We don't want to have a Me Too drug. We want to have a completely new drug. So that is a great quote. I love it. 
Yeah. And it's so true, right? And I think gift biz listeners, this is for you to consider too with your product is you don't need to copy the same product and just be better. That's too hard because you're competing head to head with somebody. But if you do something that's different, Pamela, like exactly what you're saying, like the liner is totally different. It's still a product that everyone can relate to and understand because it carries your bling, right? Yes. But it's different and it makes your path so much easier. And when I actually glued the first one I made and I started carrying my jewelry with me and it worked brilliantly and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. Right off the bat, it worked? Right off the bat. And then I said, okay, I need to make this look really pretty and be a little different. So I spent many hours walking in the woods with my dogs, meditating, and all of these ideas just started coming forth to me how to make it better. And I'm like, okay, I really want to do this. And my friends were loving it. So I sewed my first one. I took out my old Singer sewing machine. And I am not a seamstress by any stretch of the imagination. So I sewed a very simple template, if you will, or prototype. And then that's what I used to show the nuns. And when I finally met them, and that's a story you're going to want to hear very quickly in a minute. And then they helped me find a woman through their church that literally took me through all the steps A through Z on how to sew this and make it super simple for these women to sew. Love it. Okay, I definitely want to get to this story. There's so much here I want to talk about. But one other thing that I want to point out, you might have some comments on this too, Pamela, is there may be some of our listeners who have had, like you did, you know, you were always creating and innovating, whether it was the library or the idea that you wanted to have a product that had some type of a give back or helped another woman, right? But you didn't know exactly what it is and you just kind of let it sit inside you and work through you until the actual right solution came out. So I like that thought and the way this conversation has gone because there may be people who are listening who are thinking it too, but they just can't get to that place yet. Yes. And it takes some time, I think. It does. And if you have an idea, look into it, but don't count on it being the idea. It may be a variation of an idea or it may take you in a completely different direction. I know that this other idea I had, which I was just so bent on bringing to the market, but it didn't make sense from a financial perspective. And I was excited about it. But when I thought of the idea for Blingzy, that's when I realized, oh my gosh, this is truly the product that can work, that can be affordable to make and also have a nice profit margin. And it's so easy to sew that anyone, even someone without sewing skills, could easily learn to sew. So it could literally help more people make extra income at home. And the numbers work better that way, too. Much better. Yeah. So you saw that the numbers for this first product, that box, wasn't going to work, but you didn't give up on the idea. You just found a different direction to your ultimate goal, you know, different product. Yes. And you know, what's interesting is I was working a full-time job and it was all encompassing. I mean, when you're in that industry, you are working, working hard. And the emails that come once you get off the plane and come during the night, I live on the West Coast, the company's on the East Coast. Before I even wake up, there's a hundred emails in my inbox. I felt like I was working a 24-7 job. And with the traveling that I was doing every week, in some weeks, I was in three different cities. So you know my jewelry was getting moved around a lot in that roller bag. 
Right. And when you're in it, as you know, Sue, you don't think that much about how difficult it is. You just put one foot in front of the other. People will say things like, oh, that must be so glamorous. You're flying, staying in hotels, eating out. Well, it's not that glamorous. We know you make the best of it. But it wasn't until I left it that I realized, how did I do that week after week after week? I don't know, but I sure did. Well, I don't know if you were like I was, Pamela. I really liked my corporate job, but I loved my children and I didn't want to miss out on everything. And I was also traveling. Like my husband and I would cross in the airport because he was also traveling. So like I'd be coming in, he'd be going out. We had young kids at home. I mean, it was just crazy. But I think as long as you don't hate your job, you don't realize the difference of lifestyle until you're out of it, just like you're saying. I actually loved my job and I worked in a great part of pharmaceutical industry. I worked in HIV and we literally took a death sentence and turned it into a chronic manageable disease with the drugs. So I felt a lot of satisfaction working in that industry. I wasn't selling a pain pill that was going to addict people or another high blood pressure medication. This was just really significant stuff and it felt great. I was in management for a large part of my career and I loved my teams. But there was always something out there for me to be an entrepreneur, to do it on my own. My dad was an entrepreneur for part of his life. My mom actually made him go back and get a job. And I always heard my mom's words, having a job is security. So then how much security did I have when my company said, we are downsizing and we don't need you anymore? That wasn't security. So I figured security is what you can control. And I can control my own business. Yeah. And I think it was true years back. It was true because people would stay at a company forever, right? Yes. And companies would retain employees for a long, long time. Yeah, there were cutbacks sometimes, but not like it is today. So I think that holds true. But that's also a reason why those of us who decide to go into business for ourselves, and I think it's right at this generation right now, have family members who are older who don't get it and don't understand. And it looks really super scary to them because they know just what you're describing from the past. They don't know the new way. But here, I want to lead to a question here. How far then in advancement of the Blingsy product were you when you lost your job? It was very conceptual. I was using it, but I wasn't really thinking about making it. But I was conceptualizing, well, what if I could And with the amount of work that I had, there was no way I could take time away and do this product. So I think the universe delivered me getting laid off so that now I had a chance because I got a really nice severance package. Now, like you, my former partner and I had taken in two beautiful foster daughters and I was never home except on the weekend. And when I was home on the weekend, What was really sad is that my mind wasn't present with the kids. Mm -hmm. So even though I was playing blocks with my littlest one, who was three and a half at the time, and trying to understand my 16-year-old teenage daughter, I was not present. So a part of me is very sad that I missed some of those years. But then I just said, okay, this is a great opportunity for me. And I have both my girls involved in my business too. My youngest, she could sell anything to anyone. And the older one is super organized, so she helps me with inventory. She comes to shows with me, and I think she's better than I am at selling the products. So it's really exciting to have them involved, and I wish they could be more involved someday, maybe. 
Well, and what a great example for you showing them both types of careers. Corporate career where you're on the road working for somebody else, but then now also transitioning to your own business. I think it's a great model. Thank you. I'm thinking you're probably very similar to me. I mean, and my kids talk about it with me now that they weren't hurt by me being a working mom. (laughs) No, they understand it. Although I loved being home for that. About four or five years I was home and I loved that as well. Mm, So nice. But okay, so we're getting a little off topic here. (laughs) Just a little. Let's talk about that meeting you had with Sister Jean and Sister Sheila. How did that happen? Well, what was really cool was not only did the company give me a severance package, but they also gave me career coaching. So I went to this guy. He was wonderful. And we whiteboarded all these things that I might do next. Do I want to stay in this industry? Do I want to work for Obama and work at the Office of AIDS in D.C.? And I go, no, that's travel. And one of the things was, well, I have this product that is super cool. And then there are a couple other things we talked about. Well, when he saw this product and he heard my vision, he was like, you have to do this. So I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to sew it myself. So how do I find these sewers? So he said, well, write down all the organizations you know and start calling. So I was a volunteer for the Women's Resource Center, which is a shelter for domestic violence. And they were the first people that I was going to call. So I'm writing this list one Friday night, and I'm putting down all these people and literally putting it out in the universe. The next morning, our neighborhood had a garage sale. So, you know, you get up really early in the morning, you start putting stuff on your driveway. And I went to my next door neighbor to see what she was putting on her driveway. And there were these two women there who were selling Swiss chard raspberries, beautiful raspberries, and these sewn tote bags. So I say, ladies, are these your vegetables? Did you sew these bags? And they said, no, our women sewed them. And I said, well, who are you? Who are your women? And what are you doing in my neighbor's driveway? (laughs) So they introduced themselves as Sister Jean and Sister Sheila, and they said, we run a safe house for trafficked women. And our ladies sewed these bags. So instantly it hit me. And I thought, wow, God really works fast (laughs) because I just put this out or the universe, whatever you want to call it. I just literally put this out to the universe yesterday. And here it is. So we met for coffee. I shared the idea with them. They said, well, we'll ask. And four of the women said, yes, they wanted to sew and make some extra income. We had a little breakfast meeting at my house and the rest is history. Probably seven months later, we launched Blingzy online and then I went to shows. Uh, Shows were really my main way of making the business go. Okay, stop. (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) getting ahead of myself. No, you're not getting ahead at all, but I do have a question for you on bringing on Uh, people to sew for you. What type of agreement or arrangements or structure did you put behind that? Yes, I had a little contract. I needed to 1099 them. So they had to fill that paperwork out. I had a contract that they would not share this, that they would be paid by the piece. And we had an initial price while they were getting started and they're going to get paid more in the beginning and then a little bit less later, but it's by per piece. And that They could sew wherever they were. So at this point, they were still in the safe house. So the nuns had set up a little area in the garage for them. And they would all go out there in the evenings when they weren't working or doing therapy or whatever they were doing at the safe house to recover their lives. And they had fun out there. Now, these women were from Indonesia, Costa Rica, Kenya, and Ethiopia. So they weren't even speaking the same language. And what was so cute about them, they were learning English. 
So they were interacting. They're still really good friends today. And they were having a little girl time. Plus, they were creating something that made them feel good. And they were getting paid for it. So it was kind of a win-win for everybody. Absolutely. Yeah. And what I just loved about it was that the experience they had was more than I had even expected. Right. Now that they're all living independently, actually two of them have moved and I am not able to get the material to them. One has a cataract. So there's one sewer left. So I'm in the process of finding more sewers. And this woman sews all the time. She's really good at it. And she's able to keep up with my volume at this point in time. But I know as things get bigger, I'm going to need more sewers. So I'm going to find them somehow. You just put that out there in the environment and it's going to come back to you. No question about that. But question on this. And the reason I'm asking you this, so this might help answer it the best. I mean, obviously, truthfully, but just how you position it is I think a lot of people who make product are afraid of handing off their product to someone else to do it because of the quality or will they put as much love into a product or, you know, all of that that's involved. So how did you make that transition from, okay, this is what I'm doing. And I get that you weren't a sewer, you know, you had the prototype, but how did you check the work or... Well, I have two questions. Let's start with that. How did you check the work to make sure that it was going to match what you needed to command the price that you do? Yes. Well, at this point, they were all sewing it a little differently. And what was nice is that gave it that sort of handmade feel. Mm -hmm. What we had the nuns doing was after they sewed it, they would do a quick quality check, cut off any extra threads and things of that nature. But because it was, we gave them great direction, showed them how to sew it, gave them all the measurements and stuff. Now, I didn't quite create a pattern, but there was sort of a pattern. And because of the ease of making it, it just really worked out brilliantly for them. They all did a beautiful job and I got the fabric. So here's how it worked. I got the fabric. I had it all pre-cut. I would put in these plastic bins, the fabric, the liner, the straps, and the thread. And I gave them instructions. This fabric goes with this liner because we have different color liners. Mm -hmm. And then they would sew it after they got done sewing it. And they had their own methodology of sewing it. They would either sew one from start to finish or sew the straps on first and this part second. So they were allowed to have a little bit of flexibility. And I was just so impressed. And they were anxious to know, do you like our work? They had this sense of pride, which was really nice. They were so happy when they saw me just beam with, oh my gosh, these are beautiful. So initially what I did is I had them practice and sew a bunch. And then when we figured out that they were doing a great job, then we continued on. So there was a little curve, if you will, to get them up to where they needed to be. But your product made it easier for them to be able to do that pretty quick, it sounds like. Yes. You also have a nice personal overlay about the individuality of the product because I believe the sewers are the people that you have on the website. Yes. Right? You have them highlighted as the makers? Yes, I have information about them. And the cool thing is each one comes with a bookmark telling the story of the woman who sewed it. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Well, and what's crazy is when I'm at a show and women are coming back year after year at this particular show and they're like, I'm so glad you're here. I need presents. I need presents. And I ask them now, I go, what do you guys do with the bookmark? Oh, we just throw it away. And I'm like, oh, I was hoping you would use it as a bookmark. So I'm kind of rethinking. And this is what I would say to the other makers out there. Just because you are packaging your product a certain way or using a certain thing, 
you should be open to changing it, to either improving it or deleting it or doing it in a different way that maybe doubling up things. Because I also have a folded eight and a half by 11 piece of paper that has a really cute how to use it. It's a caricature that I drew and then had professionally made. And then a little information thanking you for purchasing it and what our mission is. And that is added into a cellophane bag, like a wine bag with the blingsy in it. And it's a nice little packaging thing, but there's all different ways to do it. So be open to doing your product a little differently and take some of your feedback from either your customer and or the person who is going to help you make it. So you're thinking of maybe eliminating the bookmarks, but still having the story maybe on the other eight and a half by 11 or something? Yes. Or just saying, if you want to know specifically about our sewers, go to this Facebook page or website. Well, my two cents, I love the idea of being able to know who was the sewer behind my exact piece that I bought. Mm -hmm. I love that idea. So that's my two cents. (laughs) Okay. Thank you for that. And then another thing that happened in the early phases of it, one of my really good friends who travels just like I was at the time, she said, I try to put too much in it and the straps aren't long enough to tie or really difficult to tie. Could you make the straps a little longer? I said, how much? She said, just an inch. And I said, perfect. So I made them an inch longer. There you go. Product research. Yeah, product research. I did focus groups in the beginning too for pricing. So focus groups are really important, ladies. And if and gentlemen who are makers, I don't want to leave you guys out. The maker men. Maker men, okay. <laughs> or just makers. Yeah, all makers. All you makers out there. If you feel like you've got a great product, make sure that there is a market for your product. We all say that. Amen. Yes. You can surveys. And I did a survey. What is the biggest frustration you have in traveling with your jewelry? And 44% of the women said it was tangling. So my product is the tangle-free way to travel. So I knew I had something there. A lot of them said that these travel things were too difficult to use. It took 30 minutes just to pack your jewelry. Well, mine takes literally a minute to pack it. I think you can also see your jewelry with yours too, because my other one, mine would have been tangling and then also not being able to see and find like the earrings that I want or the ring I want because they're in the little side pockets. You know, so you have to look in every single one of them to find what you need. Yeah, you unroll it and you can see everything you have and you roll it up. It's super cool. And so it's super easy. And that was a really important one. And then a lot of people said they needed something that was smaller or bigger or whatever. And it's so easy to pack and the tangles don't happen. So that came through a survey that I did. I think it's called Survey Monkey. Mm-hmm. So you can easily send that out. You could put it on a Facebook page or you could just send it to your friends. And I had 100 people answer. So that was good statistics. The other thing you can do too is have a focus group. So sit down with a bunch of your best friends who you think could use whatever product it is. Have a list of questions that you're going to ask. Record it or video it and with their permission. And have some wine and appetizers. I know all my friends will come if I offer wine and appetizers. I'm there. Let's go. (laughs) So I did three or four of those. I got a price point. What is the most you'd pay? What do you think I should charge? When would it be too cheap? Or when would it sound too cheap? And wow, that was such great information. And did you land your price point right at the beginning? Yes, I did. Beautiful. I made some adjustments to it when I'm at a show. So if someone, especially around the holidays, if you buy three or more, you get them for 20 each instead of $24.99. 
Well, that makes sense. And, you know, I was just going to say, you know, when you're pricing product, it's good to have some extra margin in there so that you can do promotional offers. Because if you only put as much margin as you need to make a little bit of money yourself, run your business, all the things we talk about with price, then anytime that you're doing any type of a discount, you're breaking into your stable support money. Oh, for sure. So you don't want to do that. So yeah, I'm glad we brought that up too. All right, let's talk about the shows. Okay, so you started the business, you have people now making the product. Oh, let me ask you this. What about quotas? You say you, that you were paying them by the piece. Did you have like a certain amount you wanted them to try and do a week so that you knew what to do on the sales end? Or how did that work? I was a little loosey-goosey on that. What I would do is I would bring the bins to the nuns and then I would say, when do you think you could have these done? And so she would text me and say that the girl said they could get them done by the end of the week or whatever. So it had to be a little bit loose because they did have a lot of activities that they were supposed to participate in as part of their recovery. Now, once they were independent living in their own homes, then it was a matter of, hey, I need this by the end of the week. Can you do it? And if they could, then they would get the fabric. So I picked out the fabric and they did the sewing and I put the label on myself. So I wanted to have sort of a role in this too. So I had sort of the creative role in picking the fabrics. And then I had the role of gluing the Blingsy label on, which gave me that feeling of finality for each piece that I got to touch each piece. And I did my own quality check at that point as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, really important, especially for the beginning ones, you know, when you're getting your name established and your brand known. Yes. I've heard some jewelry people who are now getting some people to make the jewelry for them that they do that same type of quality check and maybe they're attaching a little tag onto it, an engraved tag or something that gives them that feeling that they're still part of this, even if they're not making that actual piece from start to finish. Would you in any way say it's a control issue? Wanting to do that label at the end? Mm Mm-hmm. You know, the label, I literally struggled. I didn't want to do it because it takes a lot of time and I have it down to a science and and the glue, the fabric glue gets all over my fingers. So it is kind of a mess and it's something I really don't want to do. So I looked at having them sew it, but the machines that I gave them are not strong enough to go through three layers. It's just more of a technical thing. It'd be a little bit difficult for them to sew it where we want it. And it didn't make sense. So if I go, though, with a manufacturer in the future, when my volume increases, then I will definitely have them sew that label on because they do have the industrial machines. Right. So I'm open to not controlling that piece. (laughs) Okay, I got it. I kind of asked just out of curiosity because where this podcast is concerned, we're going to go through our whole conversation. Then it goes out to editing. And I always get kickback from people because I always have to have it come back to me first. And I have to listen through the whole thing. And then I add the intro, like, you know, everything that we do to bring the show together. Sure. But I always want to hear it again because I want to know what's going out, what everyone's hearing. And people are like, Sue, that takes so long. Why do you do that? Why do you do it? And I guess it's a control thing, but I want to know that it's the quality I want everyone hearing. That was why I asked you. I can totally appreciate that. That is super important for me as well to make sure that that what's out there now. I guess I am a control freak around the shows, though I would have to say. Okay, that's a perfect segue. Let's go there. Going to shows or getting customers overall. That is the number one thing I hear you guys questioning all the time. 
We're going to get Pamela's take on this right after a quick word from our sponsor. This podcast is made possible thanks to the support of the Ribbon Print Company. Create custom ribbons right in your store or craft studio in seconds. Visit theribbonprintcompany.com for more information. Yeah, so this product needs to be demonstrated to differentiate it. If I just got it on Target shelf, for example, people wouldn't really, they'd see jewelry travel carrier, but I don't think they would really get it. Let's say they decided to buy it. They brought it home, they unrolled it, and they're like, how does this work? Because they're so used to the other paradigm of hooks, zippers, and snaps. Now, even with my little instruction sheet, I think it could be confusing. And then they might not even go to my video online to see how it works. So then I feel like they wouldn't be able to use it the way it's supposed to be used. Now, it just takes one demonstration and then people get it. But I felt like having it in a place like on a shelf just wouldn't work. Now, I am in a couple boutiques. And these are boutiques where the salespeople are walking around helping with the shopping. And if someone buys jewelry or is looking for a gift and they'll say, hey, we have this really cool product and she does really good with it, you know, helps people. You want to check it out. And then they demonstrate it. So I feel that it needs to be demonstrated. As a result, that video on my webpage was extremely important. But at a show, I'm demonstrating it and people are crowding my booth. After I roll the jewelry up in it and I throw it in the air and it circles around like 30 feet in the air and I catch it (laughs) and unroll it and everything is in place. Like I'll say, hey, ladies, do you think this is a tangled mess? Because it would be if it was any other material. And they all go, no, it won't be because of your liner. (laughs) And then I unroll it. Everything's in place and they all clap and they all say, you should be on QVC or Shark Tank. And I'm like, woohoo. (laughs) it's so much fun and you know I have to say I love that part I love it when women crowd the booth and now my daughter does it but she doesn't throw it as high as I do (laughs) and so she's really good at selling it my older daughter but I have to say that I probably give the best presentation but she's really getting close so do you guys both throw it up in the air She only throws it a little bit because I was a softball pitcher. I played softball. She is not an athlete. So if she threw it in the air, she'd probably hit herself or somebody else. (laughs) But that's fun because it's like, what is going on in that booth and what is going up in the air there? I mean, that's an attractor right to your booth, I would think. It is. And if I can also give a little bit of guidance to your makers right now, if you sell at a booth and you just sit in a chair the whole time, at the end of the show, you say, I didn't sell anything. You have one person to blame, and that's you. And I'll just give you an example. One of my first shows was downtown San Diego in this beautiful mall, and I was next to a woman with gorgeous photographs and note cards. She was an excellent photographer. Her stuff was beautiful. Her booth was beautiful. She didn't sell anything. And halfway through, I said, why don't you go out and try to bring people in, you know, to see your stuff? She goes, oh, I don't like doing that. So would you like to be the person like me who goes out and asks your audience like to say, hey, you know, have you ever seen a blingsy? Would you like to see it? Come on in. I promise I won't bite unless you want me to. You know, I say things like that. And I'll say something like, you know, do you travel? Do you love your jewelry? I will do whatever I can to bring people in. Because if I don't, guess what happens? I sell nothing and I'm not helping these women anymore. And I'm not able to help these safe houses either. So why am I even doing this? And what really was surprising to me is that she wasn't willing to get the audience in there to see the beautiful stuff that she had. And as a consequence, I sold a lot. She sold nothing. And it's not easy if you're not a good salesperson, 
But you have to ask yourself, do I want to walk away empty handed or do I want to get some product? So if you just stand there, oh, you know, are you looking for a gift? Are you buying something for yourself? You can ask all sorts of questions. You can help them find other gifts to buy in at the show. You can be of service to them and they'll probably say, so what do you have? Well, exactly. Or you could even just say, hi, how are you this morning? Or how's the show going for you today? Or anything to start a conversation. Then you can see from there it gets easier for people who are a little shyer. So are you doing trade shows or consumer shows? I guess it's consumer shows that I'm doing. I need to do B2Bs too. Yeah. So people are buying right then and there. Oh, yes. And they see one for themselves, a gift for a friend. At Christmas time, they buy five or 10 and they love it. And it's crazy. So like I said, it feels to me like it really needs to be demonstrated. And that's why I'm so successful at the shows versus online. Because online, if someone's looking for a jewelry travel thing, they probably end up on Amazon and they probably never get to me. Even if I had amazing search engine optimization, I don't think I would be coming up first. So it's been a struggle for me online. And this is something I'm still struggling with. So the challenges don't go away, even if you've done your business for a couple of years, they keep coming and you just have to keep dealing with them. And so your current way of dealing with that, of getting people to know the product and then buying from you online is going out to the shows. Yes. I have a Facebook page and I do some creative stuff there. Not enough, but I do some stuff there. And then also I am trying to utilize my email list and grow that by offering something free, like maybe a tip book on how to protect your jewelry. Love that the free is not a discount. (laughs) Love that because when, you know, your investment in terms of making whatever that's going to be, you have to make it once and then you can be offering it out over and over and over again. So beautiful example. A digital tip book. So that's another thing I think you've mentioned on shows too. You've got to have leads. You've got to grow your list. Uh, Somebody once said your email list is the keys to your kingdom. So if you are selling online, you've got to have a big list. And one way to do it is to give something away free that is likely a digital product. So if you sell jewelry or a jewelry carrier, maybe you sell tips on how to take care of your jewelry, how to pack your jewelry, how to travel with jewelry. And if you say that, then you might want to say you should check out Blingsy. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I'm going to continue with this a little bit. So the last thing people want to do these days is give their email address because they know exactly what's going to happen. They're going to get emails. They're going to get marketed to. And most people don't know how to do emails well. And all it is is selling their stuff all the time, right? Mm -hmm. But if you start conditioning people, like I'm sure you are, Pamela, of if they're on your list, you're sending them email that might show like the newest things going on with the business. Maybe it's profiling of one of the people who's sewing. Maybe it's business tips, all of that. You start conditioning people to be saying, oh, here's an email from Pamela. I'm going to open it because there's going to be something valuable in there besides just being sold to once again. You're right. And that's so important because we all experience it ourselves. So my emails that come out two or three times a month, so I'm not inundating them. If I get something from someone three times a week, I am unsubscribing right on the spot. I don't care if it's great stuff. Mm -hmm. So at the end, so I'm providing them with great tips or information or something funny. People love to laugh. And then I say, by the way, if you need a gift or if you're looking for this or looking for that, then I do something there about my product. And usually once a month, I'll do some sort of a coupon code or something like that. Yeah. So it's not all the time. I usually try to tell people between 20 and 25% of the time 
are you really promoting? That's good. Yeah. Yeah. So one in four, one in five. Social media also, same way. Mm-hmm. I'm on Facebook pretty strongly. And I know I should be on Instagram and Pinterest, but how much can you do, ladies and gentlemen? I'm sitting here saying to myself, there's only so much time in the day. There's only so many things you can do. So sometimes you just have to balance it. So Facebook seems to work pretty well for me. I get some good engagement. I do funny stuff. I try to do positive things, jokes, surveys. There's this cool thing called fun holidays. So every day of the year is a fun holiday. And one was eat an extra dessert day. And people love that one. So I had a picture of this great two desserts standing next to each other, you know. (laughs) So people want to laugh. I have a friend right now who's going through a lot of pain. And she said, I just love your Facebook page because it makes me laugh every day. So if you can make your future customers laugh or your current customers laugh, then they're going to think of you when they need something. Great advice. And the Facebook page is Blingzy? It's Bring My Bling. Bring My Bling on Facebook. And Gift Biz listeners, you know, on the show notes page, as always, I'll have all the links. But we should be checking out your page. You'll give us some other ideas for our own audiences for sure. Yes. Yeah. So is there one other tip you can share with us? And I'm thinking specifically of shows once again, because a lot of our listeners are at craft shows, or if they listen to me, they know that I tell people it's a great place to test your product. But is there anything that you learned? Maybe you did right and it was really working, or maybe it was something you wish you would have done better in the beginning when it comes to craft shows. I spent a considerable amount of money on some marketing banners that got people's attention because people were literally walking by my booth if I didn't say something to get them in, like, how are you? Are you enjoying the show? Or have you ever heard of a blingsy? So I had these really cool marketing banners that were designed by a marketing person with some great art and pictures and color. So people would be walking by and literally like you would see that they'd be reading my banners. So it at least got their attention. And as they walked by a little slower because they were reading them, I could ask, what was it that attracted you to that banner? Oh, well, it says human trafficking or, oh, it says jewelry. And then you could easily continue on a conversation with them because of that. You have to have something that attracts them. Either your booth is absolutely gorgeous. And if you're selling jewelry, the jewelry is hanging and there's lights on it and it's really drawing people to you, or you have to have something else that draws people to you. Now, some people will have candy and and tchotchkes and things like that, but they're just going to grab it and go. And then the other thing too, is occasionally at a show, someone doesn't buy. If someone comes to my booth, they're going to buy nine times out of 10. So the ones that don't, I don't want to say anything to them, but then I thought it's a great time to do a little survey. So I go, Hey, you seem to be really interested in my product. I was wondering, was there anything that I could have done or a different color or whatever that would have gotten your business today? And they'll give you an honest answer because they can tell that you're not trying to resell them or sell them again. And usually it's, well, I don't travel or I don't have jewelry or, you know, it's just not a good time of the month for me to spend money. And then you know that you did your best to get their business if they needed it. I literally have people that are looking at it going, oh my gosh, this is so cool. I need one. But then they walk away. So those are the kind of people that I'll ask that question of. But it gives you great feedback. If they said, oh, you don't have the color I want, what color would you have purchased? Oh, that's another question I ask. This is cool. I go, they're looking at all my colors. And I go, so which one is your favorite color? Which one do you like the best? Which one speaks to you? 
And then they'll say, oh, this one, I really like this one. Once they touch it and say, I really like this one, then you have a better chance that they're going to buy that. Yeah, once you get them to touch it, there's been some research done. I don't recall exactly what it is, but if you start people interacting with your product like that, you are way far along in the sale. They'll most likely buy. And that's what you're saying you're seeing, right, Pamela? Yes, for sure. It's kind of like trying on something in a store. What's the first thing that the salesperson says? Can I get a dressing room started for you? If you get a dressing room starter for someone, they try it on or they touch it or whatever, they're more likely to buy it than if they didn't touch it or try it on. Well, oh my gosh, this has been such an interesting progression of a product development that's so interesting to hear the whole story, how it's happened. I would have loved to have been buying books from you at your little library (laughs) when you were little. (laughs) I could just see pictures of that. That sounds so adorable. (laughs) Thank you. So as you're looking into the future, what are you seeing for yourself? What's going to come next for you? Wow. Well, um, I hope that my work in this area, I'm not a human trafficking organization, but because I talk about human trafficking, when I talk about these women, I get to educate more and put it out there for people to beware. And as a mom of a 12-year-old and a 25-year-old now, It's really important that you watch what your kids are doing and where they are because this stuff is getting bigger and it's in your backyard. It's in your local schools. So if the one thing I can do is help educate, and I hope through this that we can end human trafficking. And I think that is my biggest thing is getting people to stop this, to stop buying sex and labor like this. So my dream would be that we end human trafficking and slavery of every kind. And along with that, if I can play a small role, then I think I would love to be on one of those big home shopping network shows, demonstrating my blingsy, throwing it up in the air. I mean, my customers are saying I should be on those shows, so maybe I should. I mean, your product is just made for that. And to your point about, you know, it needs to be demonstrated. And I think, I mean, I watched the video online. I mean, it doesn't take that long to demonstrate either. No, not at all. But it's the throwing in the air that's really going to do it, though. (laughs) Yeah, I don't throw it up on that video. I just shake it. But now I literally toss it. I think it's 30 feet in the air. Maybe I'm just overestimating. But I did (laughs) want to share with you when I came up with the name Blingzy, you know, because bling, Blingzy, lots of bling, because it carries lots of bling. We have fires here in Southern California, and a lot of people say, oh, we had our fire, and I threw all my jewelry into my backpack, and it's a tangled mess, and it's been two years, and I haven't untangled it. So we had fires here two or three years ago, and it was really close to me. So we were in the voluntary evacuation. So I said, you know what? I better get my jewelry packed. So I had all my photos and important papers and stuff, and I packed. I have a lot of jewelry. Most of it's costume, but I love my costume jewelry. You know, it's not like, but I do have some really nice heirlooms and things of that nature. I pack my heirlooms. They're always packed in a blingsy hidden in my closet. But I packed five blingsies in five minutes. Oh, no kidding. It was so easy. So if you're moving, let's say you're moving and you just don't know what to do with your jewelry so it doesn't get all tangled, you need some blingsies. You definitely need a few blingsies. Yeah, not just one, obviously. Not just one. And my sister loves to travel with really big stuff, so she has to have two blingsies every time she travels. What I was going to say is I came up with this motto. Again, all this stuff just floods into your head, so write it all down. My motto is live the bling life, be tangle free. And when I really (laughs) 
thought about it. It's not just about the jewelry on the outside, but we are bling on the inside. And being tangle-free means get rid of the fears, the doubts, the self-limiting beliefs, and all that stuff that keeps you from being your authentic self. And if you have that dream inside of you to be a maker, to do something, build something, create something, make something, go and do it. Be you. And the world will love what you bring out because that's what this is all about. This is bringing your best foot forward. One of the things that I do every morning besides my gratitude prayer is I look at this thing called mantra and it's an app that says something different every day. You just press the button and I'm going to read what today said. It said, you are one in seven billion. Yes, you are one in seven billion. You are unique. So you've got it. You've got it inside of you and no one else has exactly what you have inside. So live the bling life, be tangle free, and you'll enjoy every day. I love that. Now tell me what that was that you read that from. Is it an app or something? Yeah, so there's two apps I use every day. One is called Simple Habit, and it's a meditation. And there's some really great ones in there. They're they're as short as five minutes. You know, we always heard, oh, you got to meditate 30 minutes twice a day if you do transcendental meditation. And who has time for that? These are five, 10, 15 minute meditations, your choice. So it's called Simple Habit. But the one I just read you read from was called Mantra. And it's free. And every day you just hit this button and up pops, you have to hold on to it and up pops your mantra for the day. So this actually, I said it a little bit wrong. It says, I may be one in seven billion, but I am also one in seven billion. I am unique. Yep. Oh my gosh, I love that so much. And is that on your phone? It's on my phone. So Simple Habit is one and it does cost. You have a 14 day free trial. I love Simple Habit. I've subscribed to it for a few years. And then the other app on my phone is this one called Mantra, M-A-N-T-R-A. Oh my gosh. Well, besides all of the gifts of all the valuable information you've just shared with us, here are two more right at the end. (laughs) Could I add one thing? Absolutely. I don't know if you could tell, but I kind of go all over the place. I get very distracted. This has been the biggest challenge for me running a business. So I would just like to say to people out there that you have your cake and your cringe. You have the stuff you love to do. That's your cake. It's like, oh my gosh, I could do this constantly all day long and I'd be so happy and I'd have all the energy. And the cringe is the stuff that, oh, I hate this. I hate behind the scenes business part. I like being out in front of people, but I don't like doing my inventory. That's why I give it to my daughter. So if you can get someone to do your cringe and you do your cake, that'll be great. But in the beginning, when it's just you, you might have to do it all. So just know that. But also, if you do get distracted, I have two tips for you, or three tips actually. Remember your why. Why are you doing this? Secondly, put like a time limit on what you're going to do. Say, I'm going to spend one hour every day from this time to this time working on my business. And lastly is do it and get it done. Done is better than perfect. So Mm -hmm. don't let yourself get distracted from what one thing you have chosen to do in that hour. Do that one thing. Love it. And you know what I would also say? Tell me if you agree. Cringe first. Uh, Yes. (laughs) Otherwise, it'll never get done. Get it out of the way. Just do it. And then you'll feel so much better. Like one, the thing that is most cringeworthy for your day, just get it out of the way right in the beginning. I agree, Sue. Great (laughs) advice. 
Oh, I love that. I'm so glad you added that in on the end. So Pam, like through this whole conversation, what I kept hearing from you is really, yeah, we went through the tactics and how the product was developed and all of that. But it really all started with what you said in the beginning, which was why, you know, and you put the why first, always. I mean, I can hear it as we're talking. It's the why first and the product second. And I think that's a great message to leave everybody with. And to your point in the beginning, start with why, the whole Simon Sinek thing, right? Yes. But really important. So I'm going to just make a statement and you can add on to it, Pamela. But I think for those of you who are listening, who are selling a product already, or you're thinking about selling a product, really think down through the why. Like, what is that why for you? Because it's going to serve you really well as you go forward. What would you add to that, Pamela? Then after that why, outline what steps you need to take and do them one at a time. Mm -hmm. And to your point, if it doesn't actually bring you to the result the first time, don't change the result. Just change what you're doing to get to that result. Now, don't give up. Go back to your why. But if you don't have a why, then it's so easy to give up. Yep. If you don't have the why, it's so easy to give up. That's beautiful. Love it. Thank you so, so much, Pamela. You have just delivered the gold here, the gold bling. It has been a joy to be on the show with you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time today. Take care. Thank you, Sue. Take care. So FYI, I've already ordered three blingsies as holiday gifts. Well, actually, that's not true. One is for me. Anyway, Pam offers a great point for us all to remember, and I want to just pull up that audio one more time so that I can kind of underline and emphasize it for us as we go forward. Being tangle-free means get rid of the fears, the doubts, the self-limiting beliefs, and all that stuff that keeps you from being your authentic self. Another way to be tangle-free in your business is to have solid plans to sell during the holidays and move out all leftover holiday inventory. Sure, you can reserve much of it for next year, but those are really dollars you could use for growing your business sooner versus later. That's the topic on deck for next week. Meanwhile, as we enter into Thanksgiving this week, I want you to know how very grateful I am for you. The fact that you show up week after week, listen to the shows, leave reviews, and share how this podcast is helping you means the world to me. Enjoy your time with family and friends, and I'll be back with you again next Monday. Happy Thanksgiving! I want to make sure you're familiar with my free Facebook group called Gift Biz Breeze. It's a place where we all gather and are a community to support each other. I've got a really fun post in there that's my favorite of the week, I have to say, where I invite all of you to share what you're doing, to show pictures of your product, to show what you're working on for the week, to get reaction from other people, and just for fun, because we all get to see the wonderful products that everybody in the community is making. My favorite post every single week, without doubt. Wait, what? Aren't you part of the group already? If not, make sure to jump over to Facebook and search for the group Gift Biz Breeze. Don't delay. Come join us in Gift Biz Breeze today.